I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Denny, Hi, Good to be with you again, friends, as we are recording over Zoom because of the pandemic. And so, please, uh, there's still a pandemic. Uh, hell, evidently, I get well. The election's over, so I guess it's going to go away, right? Isn't that what they call it? The, <laughs> the election infection. But mm-hmm. I digress. I mean, my rash is cleared up. <laughs> well, that was a different thing. Um, so please. Uh, uh, bear with us in the lack of audio quality as we are not on the soundboard as we would like to be. Um, bringing you another installment of the Monster Mash. Uh, which mm-hmm. is, for those of you just newly checking in, the Monster Mash, we each pick a movie that wouldn't typically fit tidily in a genre or other such uh, uh, episode style. And so we just pick random stuff. And so my name is Grizzly Abner and I chose Skeleton Key. Hi there. Professor Wagstaff, I picked Blood Rage from 1987. Venomous Vinny, I chose Brain Damage. And Hatati, I chose Dead Silence. Alright, so I believe we are starting with Blood Rage. Hatati, give us dates and details. Blood Rage, uh, released in 1987, filmed in 1983, uh, written by Bruce Rubin, directed by uh, John Grishier and starring a, a selection of names of Louise Lesser, Mark Soper, also Mark Soper, uh, Julie Gordon, and <laughs> I looked out for him this time, but still can't find him. Ted Raimi. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roast him right at the beginning. So, <laughs> uh, all right, uh, <laughs> Professor, this was your pick. Why'd you pick this? Okay, so basically two reasons. One, I just every so often I like to pick more obscure slashers that I enjoy. And also because it's set around Thanksgiving. And as we enter that time, it's one I would have been watching anyways. So I thought, what the hell? Um, This is one that I did not grow up with or know this from the past. Basically, uh, Arrow Video out of the UK. uh, When I became more familiar with them, they put this out and it intrigued me. So I checked it out. And uh, really, really enjoyed it. And so I figured one of these years when we got close to Thanksgiving, I would uh, pick this for a mash. So I'm curious, has any anybody else seen this before, this episode? I had, I had never seen it. I'd never heard of it. So um, I didn't think so. But then um, I was suspect when I took the movie off my shelf and it was open. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think you were in the wrong house? Uh, for a minute. And then um, I put the movie in and because uh, I was like, cool, there's three versions. Which one do I watch? So uh, I put it in and I was like, yeah, I think I might have watched this last Thanksgiving. Uh, Long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. Uh, this is uh, I've been hearing about this one for a while because it always comes up in joke conversations. People say, how come there isn't a Thanksgiving horror movie? And people will go, aha, uh-huh, but there is blood rage. And so. I've uh, been meaning to watch this forever. I didn't even know it was on Prime. 
uh, streaming. And so, uh, yeah, very, very glad to have the opportunity to watch it first time. Yeah, that's uh, Thanksgiving Horror. It's a pretty limited list. I, the only other one I, I can think of that's even trying to be somewhat serious is uh, Home Sweet Home, which is another obscure slasher. But other than that, then you get into Poultry Geist and who knows what. The Thanksgiving, oh, thanks, Thanksgiving trilogy. <laughs> Thanksgiving, yeah. Yes, uh, can't forget that. And <laughs> I also just love the trailer, the fake trailer for Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. I really wish they, they yeah. would make that into a movie. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, thanks, Thanksgiving was kind of the one holiday, maybe. Well, actually, Blood Rage did it in the 80s, so I was going to say Thanksgiving was the only holiday that they didn't do, but... Yeah. But so, yeah, this will, when this is airing, you'll be getting uh, close to Thanksgiving, and it is on Amazon Prime to check out for free if you are so inclined. Um, so one element of this that's important to clarify right up front is that you didn't recognize any of those names. Uh, that Hot Toddy listed off because this is regional horror. It's um, not really something we've discussed in detail, but it's a very interesting thing that really occurred in the 80s with slasher films where you would just have concentrated talent wanting to make film with the VHS boom in these different places. And so you have this uh, based out of Jacksonville, Florida. And the reason I picked this in particular and why it stuck with me uh, that I noticed even from the first viewing is that the talent exceeds what they can do, um, which is, it's usually the other way around. Uh, the special effects in this uh, are very strong. The score kicks ass from start to finish. Oh, yeah. um, it is got a lot of, in terms of those things, top shelf elements that you would usually get from uh, productions that have way more money than I'm sure they did. So there's a lot of heart in this film and that's something to, keep in mind when you start watching this this isn't going to be the greatest horror film from the 80s or anything like that but if you think of it more from a local uh viewpoint it's really impressive what they accomplished with it and you know there's other ones from around the country and i'm sure i'll pick some of them at different points like don't go in the house is another example up from new york state that's really good so uh the premise of this is pretty basic and to go really beat for beat will get confusing and not interesting. So I'm not going to go too far down uh, the plot line. It's, it's really pretty basic as a great opening uh, at a drive-in theater set in uh, 1974, if I remember correctly. And we've got uh, two brothers in the back of the car at the drive-in after we've kind of went through it with the great eighties music and the guy getting popcorn. And uh, we find ourselves in the car and the, children's mother starts making out and they're just put off by it it seems to be a regular occurrence for them i was put off by it yeah and so (laughs) they head out and like most kids do at the drive-in you go get a hatchet and kill somebody so um (laughs) what happens is one of the brothers uh evidently is triggered by this i don't know we don't need too much logic in it but he goes and attacks uh, a couple making out in the car and Right off the bat, you know you're going to have some pretty decent gore because it's it's pretty gnarly with the chops to the face uh, that they've got to this dude. And he immediately pawns it off on his twin brother, who is then taken away. We meet up with the group. <laughs> Hands him the bloody hatchet and rubs blood on his face. Yeah. Ten it, years late. You what? He was ca- when his brother was like catatonic from witnessing the murder. Yeah. yeah. And so we've go 10 years later and it's thanksgiving time and the one brother the 
actual killer that the audience knows is uh, together with family where his mother announces um, a couple of things. One, that she's getting engaged, getting married, um, and which triggers him like we have at the beginning, but also that his brother has escaped the mental institution. And so basically what we have from there and throughout the film is the killer brother sneaking off, picking off people as he's been uh, set off by the news of his mother. And he knows that his brother's on the loose and he's going to be able to blame him with that again. And so the really interesting dynamic at that point is uh, Mark Soper playing both roles. It actually works. And it's as much as, as goofy as it sounds, a big part of it is just how they dress him up. You got the very different shirts, but even more. And it's a funny comparison, like in Seinfeld, when their water pressure goes bad and their hairs all flop down, that's how (laughs) you can tell the one brother uh, that's escaped the institution is. But from there, it's about what you would expect um, in terms of a slasher. You've you've got pretty impressive kills. You've got certain teenagers that uh, are wanting to party, do things they shouldn't, et cetera. So a lot of the common fare. Um, what do you guys think about the premise, the kills, any of it? I, I think it's a bold film to get such a, uh, a young actress that they could age her uh, multiple years from the beginning to, to where she's their mom. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. She looked exactly the same in both scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you watch a different version? Because I was like, making out, that guy was balls deep when he got a hatchet in his face. Yeah. <laughs> well... Yeah, I mean, they didn't show balls deep, so I didn't feel compelled to clarify. <laughs> um, well, I'll get to that they, later. They was naked. Um, you know, actually, actually I, I like I said, uh, the the version I have has three different versions because it's Arrow. Yeah. So I think I did the whole mapping of what I did last year, and so I think I watched the same version, which is uh, the the video version. Uh, so I kind of want to rewatch the uh, the alternate version, I guess, which is a little bit um, some added scenes, but censored, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's it's it was released multiple times. Nightmare, say, Shadow Woods, and Slasher was also its title. Yeah, I would say the the best thing of this because uh, I I just watched this last night. Actually, I had some friends over Thursday, and I was gonna watch a podcast movie. Um, I'm gonna have to rewatch this again with people because it is one of those really so bad it's good movies where uh i i think I, I, whether it was intentional or not i laughed at a lot of shit in this movie because uh just some of the over-the-top acting or characters or uh but it works really well for it uh i had a blast i had a lot of fun with this movie uh wondered where it's been my whole life um love the setup the drive-in stuff is so much fun and just such a great throwback uh and I just want to know why was Ted Raimi cosplaying as the old man from Friday the Thirteenth selling condoms in that bathroom? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? He was straight up dressed like the old man from Friday the Thirteenth. It's so random because he—that's it. Because you see him at the beginning, you're like, "Oh, cool, we got Ted Raimi in this. Who else? I wonder what his role is going to be." He's just selling rubbers in the bathroom during the credits. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so I'm, and so one thing that I think is a little important is that when the, no, you didn't talk about the brother being, did you talk about the brother being in the like, Yeah, so when the mom goes to visit him, 
his therapist says, well, he started talking and he says that he didn't do the killing that night. It was his brother, Terry. So it's Todd and Terry. And you got Terry, which is the actual killer who's out and is just a social dude. And then Todd, who's kind of the weird slow brother. And I really empathize with that because I got a weird slow brother named Todd. And uh, <laughs> First off, Todd's are not killers. Todd's are, are drug dealers or surfers or stoner guys. They're never killers. So that's that should be your sign. Yeah. I mean... No offense to Terry's, but if it comes down to Todd or Terry, I'm trusting to Todd. <laughs> oh, big shot. <laughs> Any scenario. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, man. I mean, your your comment on the gore, it, you know, because all my notes are just in caps, you know, all the different gore scenes. So, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a good setup, good start. Vinny, what did you think? Uh, effects were very good in this movie. Surprisingly good from the tone I was getting, like, just like kind of off your acting. I, you kind of, you can gauge a movie from that era about what you're going to expect effects wise. This, this went beyond that. That exceeded my expectations. I had a very solid feeling that Robert was going to like this because very early in, it had a sleepaway camp feel to it. Yeah. With the, the kids in the beginning and all that kind of thing and that kind of being the catalyst for a twist and this and that. But uh so I had a feeling that that this was gonna hit for him. <clears throat> it didn't wow me. Uh I did not hate it. I didn't think it was a bad movie in any way. Um it, it didn't have it didn't have that extra for me, I guess, to make it more memorable. And I can't see this being like a regular watch for me. Fair enough. Yeah, the for fans of slashers who haven't seen this, a, a good way of selling it is you could take some of those elements of Sleepaway Camp that's playful, but at the same time, you have some of the impressive and vicious work like you'll see like in something like The Prowler that Savini did. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think makes this unique is it's playful, but it isn't. It doesn't skimp. Like, it, it brings it. And they know let you know pretty early on, both as the attack we mentioned um at the drive-in but also one of the early ones is a machete through the guy where you watch the blade moving out of his back without keeping anything out of frame and so when you're watching this and you think like this isn't a studio movie it's pretty cool what they accomplished with with the effects um but yeah i mean another one how many opportunities are you going to have to see a hand get hacked off holding an old style beer? I mean, it's just, it's what we're here for. Um, So uh, most of it it goes as you would expect um, with picking off people one by one, a lot of fun play with pretending to be the other brother and fooling people with that because they're identical twins. Um, So it's a little bit wittier at times than just your, common slasher fare um and like a million other horror movies we find ourselves at the pool for the ending um where we have a showdown as you'd expect with people trying to save each other and fights and all that pause, but then pause, pause real up. quick before okay. that why did that couple think it was a good idea to have sex on the diving board at the pool white people are weird man <laughs> but when he gets up to get killed he hangs down. <laughs> yeah, 
That's true. Check and that thanks, off on the bingo thanks, card. Thanks to Arrow and high resolution now. <laughs> That's another thing. If you do like this movie enough to pick up the Blu-ray at some point from Arrow, it is incredible. Like, the movie should not look as good as it does. Uh, but basically, um, not the happiest of endings. We've got um, the, the mother shows up and shoots who she thinks is the brother that's always been the killer because he's holding a machete. And then she embraces the other where he explains, no, that was him. And mom shoots herself. We don't show it in great detail, but it's a little bit of a jaw dropper. And then uh, we hit the credits. I mean, we don't drag it out. So it's uh, totally, it goes a little bit darker than maybe is necessary for the end of the film, but I don't think it hurts the rewatchability. Yeah. It, that ending lasts awkwardly long. Like, it makes you uncomfortable. What yeah. was the point of the baby? Nah. Was there any point to have a baby in this? Not really. Uh, it's, a, it's a parable about living and eating and dying. <laughs> uh, in short, no. I think it's just yeah. another, another trope to get people uncomfortable about how far are we going to go with this. Yeah, yeah. because I always think he's going to kill the baby. Don't kill the baby. <laughs> the baby's mom gets killed because she's going to go get the baby a rich daddy. <laughs> is rich daddy <laughs> Pete Buttigieg's dad? Because <laughs> I was like, is that Pete? <laughs> <laughs> so, does Todd just pretend to be Terry when the cops get there? How the hell is he going to make them believe all that? Yeah, right. Because that <laughs> the lady with the baby ran off. She ain't going to testify. Yeah. She's like, I'm on the moon, bitch. <laughs> so the lady with the baby, though, I will say um, she was probably like the best actor of the movie. Because I almost felt like she was from something else. Um, but yeah, she's not. So uh, I, f- I feel if anybody in the movie like uh, that, that carried it acting wise was probably her. The mom uh, had a voice of a pack of cools. Uh, so the mom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and say this. The mom is my favorite character because she is so she, weird. She gives the aunt from Sleepaway Camp a run for her money. Oh yeah. She gives Nancy Thomas's mom, uh, Nancy Thompson. Uh, she just had that like uh, same. She went to the same acting school. The 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 fucked up mom, but uh, over the top. I did notice before I watched this, I was actually cleaning the house, and I was like, "God damn." It was almost like like I had my couch up in the air. So when it showed her drinking wine and vacuuming under the bed, uh, my, my, I realized mom's my spirit animal. <laughs> uh, and then let's she should have got an Oscar for that performance. Easy. Um, I looked her up and it said she was like a soap opera star or something too. Um, yeah. My favorite scene was her sitting on the floor in front of the refrigerator <laughs> eating green beans with her hands. Yeah, been there. What up? <laughs> I mean, is it Thanksgiving if your family hadn't broken your heart into eating green beans by hand on the floor? And, I also you know. love where she kisses Todd, who she thinks is Terry. And I was waiting for her to go, wait, you're not kissing mommy on the mouth the same. All of because... the things you just said sounds like the local drama at a bowling alley. <laughs> Thought he was kissing uh, Terry, but, but it was Todd, and his mom was kissing Terry. But my favorite scene <laughs> is when she's calling the operator. Oh yeah, 
And she's just like, <laughs> like going into hysterics. Mom, mom is she's who I want to be. <laughs> yeah, she's on like, the. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, when she's on the phone with like the operator and like it cuts to her, and you think she's like she actually has somebody, and she's telling them her life story, and like <laughs> and they're like, "Ma'am, who are you trying to reach?" Yeah, ma'am, this is she's a like, Connect me. <laughs> yeah, she does an interview. They track down all these people on that Blu-ray, but for her interview, she says she had no idea what she was doing with this movie. That she had acting experience, but she didn't understand the genre. She hadn't watched a bunch of horror movies. And when she has to like walk in and see her fiance and the head splits open and all that, it like actually upset her pretty good. But, and she's just, she's an eccentric person. I mean, even in the interviews decades later, she's, she's just on a different level. And so I, I think everything you suspect when you're watching that performance, you're correct. Yes. Whatever you're thinking. Sing me that song that you like so much. <laughs> <laughs> so she also, uh, as Terry's going out to kill people, she tells Lawrence to be careful because his brother's out there. And then, then without missing the beat, she's like, "No, wear a sweater, the blue <laughs> one." <laughs> uh, one last thing I do want to say: a uh, setting that they have there is like a, a nature walk, elevated boarded walk, um, and I, that was out around Jacksonville too. And I think it's just a, a different kind of cool setting. Um, for we we have nice little chunks of the film out there, and it's just different. I like it. One last thing I want to say is when um, Terry is chasing our final girl. I like how like she just comes around the corner and like there he is, and he's like ha 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 ha, and then like <laughs> comes around and there's like another dead body, and she's like oh my god, my dead friends, and he just pops up and he's like ha 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 ha. But my favorite part though is when she's hiding from him and he finds her. <laughs> she hits him in the dick with that phone. Yeah. <laughs> and made me laugh out loud. Carrie was like looking at her phone. She's like, what? I said, look. Oh, it's good. Good times. Like, yeah. I can't believe you guys never mentioned the line that he uses where he's like, it's not cranberry sauce. It's no. not cranberry <laughs> sauce. Yeah. That make, that's what makes us a Thanksgiving feel. And now Vinny's Yeah, pretty much. High. And five minutes at a dinner table. Don't forget that. Vinny's <laughs> yeah, right. trying to figure out why we're gushing over a lame movie. He, Vinny loved it. I'm drinking it all in, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, one of my favorite just obscure slashers. I would recommend it to slasher fans. Absolutely. And, you, know, you want some fun around Thanksgiving time. There's limited options for themed horror movies. Try it out. It's free right now on Amazon. It's not something that's going to actually be a scary great movie but it's a good time yeah okay moving right along i believe our next film is brain damage brain damage 1988 uh written and directed by franken hennenlotter uh starring rick hurst gordon mcdonald jennifer lowry um uh, I thought I wrote down the guy from Basket Cases name, but I don't think I did. Um, and uh, actually, there's a few people from like uh, his movie, so like Basket Case, and I did not write the guy's name <laughs> down. But I like that you called him Frank and Hidden Lutter. <laughs> it it could have been worse. It's up there. I mean, he made a movie called Frank and Hooker, so Frank and Hidden Lutter made Frank and Hooker. I like it. 
Uh, Vincenzo, this was your uh, pick. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, I picked this one because uh, I I only recently saw this. I saw this. I was watching the last drive-in on Shutter, and this one hit me different than a lot of other movies that I've watched <laughs> on that show did. I could imagine. And uh, at the end of it, I was I, I had only I think I finished it the day before we recorded the last time, and I was like, "Oh wait, yeah, this this is the next pick I'm doing." Um. So yeah, that's why I picked it. It kind of blew my mind in the recent when I just saw it. So I wanted everybody else to watch it as well. I was hoping you'd say that you picked it because it starts out with '80s electricity. Well, <laughs> that that helps. We're all we, we all love the blue electricity, <laughs> blue '80s lightning. What about you uh, guys? This was my second viewing. I had never heard of it. And Carrie has a really cool husband. Really, yeah, she does not have a cool husband. I'm, I'm modest. I'm her uncle. <laughs> much? Carrie, Carrie has a really cool cousin uh, who's who's really big into horror. And uh, for our um, for our wedding, he gave us he he, he gave us like a stack of arrow. Blu-rays. I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this was yeah. one of them. Maybe so, I should get married. <laughs> yeah, you get cool gifts. Um, and so yeah so we had this on Arrow Blu-ray we watched it for the first time a couple years ago really uh, had fun with it and then I just rewatched it for the first time and again I just I think it's a fun movie I like Frank Henenlotter yeah this was it'd be my second or third viewing I mean in recent years I'd really worked my way through his movies um, and well we'll get into it but let's just say it fits right in with what you're tuning in for I pulled a movie off the shelf unopened and um, getting ready to put it in to watch it. And luckily I took notes first because then I was like, wait, <laughs> uh, Brain Dead with Bill Pullman doesn't, isn't directed by the guy from Basket Case. And I realized Vinny had said brain damage. So luckily I caught that. Uh, so I didn't watch Candyman or Pumpkinhead by mistake. Um, <laughs> I think I might have said this. I think I rented this when it came out on video when I was a kid. And I might have watched it maybe one one time since then. So it's been a long time since I'd seen it. Um, but his movies are always batshit crazy and fun. So good times. All right. Vinny, you want to give us the setup? Uh, so I guess as basic as can be, <laughs> this... <laughs> This old couple loses this creature named Elmer <laughs> that they've been keeping in their bathtub. Not Elmer. Elmer. And uh, it escapes and finds its way to a different apartment where a young man named... is It's Brian, isn't it? Isn't that the character's name? It sounds right. Anyway. Uh, it... I don't know if befriends is the correct word or not, but the catch is the thing secretes <laughs> into your neck, your spinal column, and basically makes you trip balls. <laughs> and uh, then you become addicted to it, and it's like a symbiotic life cycle, except the catch is Aylmer is hungry. And Aylmer eats dun 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 brain. <laughs> like the title. 
I don't think I need to say anything else beyond <laughs> that. And it's, yes, it is just as crazy as it sounded just then. And only gets more bizarre and fun. I tell you rewatching it this time, and I don't, don't normally go, you know, I'm shocked that's in the movie. And I don't know if maybe I'm just watching a weird cut of it because I don't remember it going on as long as it did. But the scene where it comes out and it's basically the girl is deep throating it. Yeah. For quite a while. Blew my mind. <laughs> it blew her. I could not believe it was in a movie that was allowed to be released. I'm glad that Todd hits everybody's big note <laughs> right at the beginning. You're welcome. <laughs> Halfway through the movie. Let's just hit it now. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, so, for one, I know that you guys like to play uh, uh, Grizzly Abner Bingo for what's going to hit for me. And, of course, this is going to hit because it's a dirty New York movie. Man, you know I love dirty New York movies. And it hits for me because I love a creature feature. Bingo. Yeah, it's uh, like if you want to have a kind of a Faustian tale that pa- pairs perfectly with street trash, we finally found your movie. <laughs> and it's less rapey. That's true. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, Street Trash was also in that pile of Blu-rays that he gave us for our way. Nice. Um, I, I just love how much that crazy old couple at the beginning loses their shit and oversells. <laughs> like how crazy they are looking for Elmer. Oh, yeah. The, the hotel is just filled with a cast of absurd characters. I absolutely love it. Yeah, definitely a Hidden Lauder special. He's like, let's take uh, Tenement and get as many weirdos packed in here as we can. And a big a big, uh, a big one for me was the voice of Elmer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uncredited is John Zacherly. Yeah, who so was cool. Who was the the grandfather of horror hosts. Yeah, the OG. Exactly. Yeah. Based out of New York. And I, I guess he worked uncredited because he was part of the union or some something to that effect. So he didn't use his real name. So he wouldn't lose whatever, you know, your agreement is. But yeah, if you're a if you're a SAG actor and yes. if they can't pay you, like you gotta show up uncredited. But that's a fun for me as well, that you've got Zachary, who I think has a great voice. To voice a character like that, and and the uh, the effects are not good. I was going to say they're not great, but they're not even really that good in most cases. I wouldn't say they're bad, but it, though. But it works. Yeah. Look, yeah. If you were sitting and you were watching anything else, and there was that scene in the subway where the light flickers, and Aylmer's coming out old boy's mouth, <laughs> and it's just animated. You saw if you saw that in any other movie, it would completely take you out of it and you would be done with it. But somehow it well, the same as the claymation Belial and basket case works. Yes. Right. Yeah, and it as always with his movies, there there's a somberness to it, but it never takes itself too serious. Um, and I think that applies to this and works just as well. But I mean, even like when we've got Elmer talking and you've got the movement i mean they went to the trouble of actually articulating that on the face oh, I yeah. mean, you look at so many movies at this point by the late 80s are just checking out 
doing the yeah. cheapest, easiest shit. So, I mean, there's still some craft to it. It's, I mean, you're right. It's not the best, but it works. No, it, it perfectly fits the playfulness of the movie. And so you basically got Elmer attaches himself to Brian, gets Brian strung out. Well, while Brian's getting strung out, he's neglecting his girlfriend. The girlfriend is finding comfort in his brother slash roommate's arms. And basically, and more and more, Elmer's getting away. Elmer's killing. His life is spiraling out of control while all this is happening. Meanwhile, he's being hunted by the old couple who are deteriorating, deteriorating physically very rapidly without Elmer's secretion. And so, <laughs> and then, you know, at one point, Elmer comes out of the dude's fly and face fucks a lady. <laughs> I wish that would have been the actual title of the film, Elmer's Secretion. <laughs> My favorite is at the introduction of, of Elmer, and like he just pops up and he's like, Hi. Hi, <laughs> Uh, Let's be honest, that old couple, they cast them perfectly. If there's somebody in a building with a weird-ass pet, it's them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love when, you know, we've got Elmer's first kill, which is that that cop in the junkyard. And uh, and Brian finds him like, Elmer, is everything okay? And he's like, "Mm, not bad. A little underdone. (laughs) He's eating his brains. Oh, boy. And, oh, what he, about, oh, and when Brian is uh, out to dinner with his girlfriend and he's he's coming down, he's withdrawing, he's looking at his meatballs and his spaghetti and the meatballs are turning into little brains. Turning into little brains. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, the movie is just, it's just a lot of fun, man. It's so great. And then you get like, uh, you get your poor man's altered states when he's high <laughs> walking around. <laughs> Uh, I did like when the old man does find Brian and he's trying to like tell him what he's into, you know, you know, just how deep he's in. And he, he tells that whole intricate history of Elmer, like, you uh-huh. know, Elmer's been around and he's been possessed of years. Yeah. And that, you know, he's been parts of these dynasties and empires. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, like, at least they tried. <laughs> you know, they, they, they told a fun backstory. The the moment that they complete like the movie had me entirely was on the subway when Dwayne sits down with the basket with Belial in it across from him. Yes. Yeah. At that point I was like, Oh man, I'm in. I like I you win. You win. I love this movie. Yeah, that was definitely awesome. I thought you were gonna say the uh shower scene. <laughs> <laughs> Nay. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to wrap it up? Take us home. What happens? So, uh, number one, I like I like how old boy and his girlfriend casually forget she just banged his brother. Like yeah. that's pretty quickly forgiven and moved past. Well, that's because he had a weird dream sequence where they deep here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so then, uh, so there's a fight over Aylmer. Uh. And isn't it when old boy tries to grab Aylmer off of his neck, he squeezes him real hard <laughs> and it makes more of Aylmer's secretion go into Brian's brain. And then uh, the old man eventually, after Aylmer eats his wife's brain 
and you think he eats the dude's brain. <laughs> oh, no, that's what happened. There's a big scuffle. You thought the old man was dead, and then that's when he came up and squeezed his Aylmer. Anyway, so <laughs> old people are dead. Aylmer's dead because old boy squeezed him to death, which seems like he probably shouldn't have made it all these thousands of years if he can be squeezed to death with your bare hands. <laughs> uh, so then, so basically Brian, and I love the bladder effects and all that where his head starts bubbling out because he's got too much of the shit in his body and goes into his bedroom where his head cracks open and a bright light is sh shining out of it and uh, and he dies. And then he found $5. <laughs> so yeah, it's not a happy ending, folks. <laughs> Yeah, back to back, unhappy endings here. Hell yeah, but yeah, it's just a classic, classic Faust. You know what I mean with with letting something deteriorate your life, but it's fun, and it's goopy, and it's sleazy. It's a yeah. blast. It's it really is a blast. It's a lot of fun. Not only did I watch it before I picked it, like two days before I picked it, I watched it again this week. Nice. Yeah, I was like, all right, I just want to watch it a second time. Okay. I uh, definitely recommend if you're into bonkers. Yes. Delivers on that for show. Okay. Rolling in. What's our next pick, Todd? Well, I'm starting to think we do have a theme with this one, but because all movies have a similar ending. But uh, we're rolling into Dead Silence 2007. Uh, this one is story by and directed by James Wong. Written by Lee Wanell, uh, starring Ryan Quatin, the hot guy from True Blood, uh, Amber Valletta, Jason, Jason Stackhouse, Donnie Wahlberg, okay. Michael Fairman, Joan, Hen Joan Henney, and Judith Roberts as Mary Shaw. Um, do you want me to go into it or why I picked it first? Why'd you pick it? So, actually, I picked this movie <laughs> because. Um, it's I'd, James like an, I'd like an explanation as well. <laughs> it's so it's James Wan and Lee Wan L. Um, this is actually a dud for them, box office wise. Um, I I know they definitely did Saul and maybe one other movie uh, before this came out. Um, Universal did a, a theme park attraction for it. Um, for some reason, people want to go to the movies and see it. I like this movie. I thought it was moody and scary. Um, I think it was rated R in the theater, but like maybe it was PG-13. I know that you can watch unrated, um, and I'm wondering if that had played a part in it because 2005 to 2007 was a lot of uh, censored PG-13 movies coming out, mostly remakes like The Fog, um, where they censored it and people didn't like it. Maybe that fell in it, but um, I thought it kind of had a kind of a um, cool enough story and, and was – spooky and it's definitely fun for halloween so um that's why i picked it um so i guess uh your guys first viewing or this is actually my this is my my third viewing i think what yeah <laughs> uh my wife's a big fan of it so we watch it occasionally and and i i'll just say off the top i mean i i don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Uh, I think it's kind of forgettable, but I don't think it's a bad movie. Now, that being said, I don't pick it off the shelf. <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Vinny? First time watch. Uh, dead serious. I think every time that I've seen this cover, I thought it was a Goosebumps movie. <laughs> yes, it definitely dead has serious. a on the cover. Um, dead Silence. I like production wise, this movie is is very well made. It looks good. It's scored well. Uh, all that kind of thing. But I think it's kind of mediocre. Um, this was a first time watch for me. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I, from various podcasts with people involved with this, whether it was actors or you know, like Lee Winnell, I, I just I heard so much to, about the plague production and the release of this film, and it being kind of a sour experience for many of them. Um, that I was never rushing out to see it. So um this was definitely my first time watch i would imagine at some point i would have just simply because of who made it um but yeah this is my first time watch i liked the premise of it not not the execution so much but i like i like a lot of the concepts and ideas that we have going on but we'll get more into that okay so um so i saw this in the theater um i've seen it quite a few times I like the movie. I can't argue with what you guys are saying, though, because I know even um, James Wan doesn't talk a lot about it that I've heard him say, but I, I know Lee, Lee Wannell is very vocal that what he don't even write movies the same now because of his experience with Universal in this movie, because um, he's they sold them the story, and then they Universal gave him money for the script. So they don't do that anymore, at least Lee Wannell doesn't, um, because uh, their original idea just kept Universal kept kind of guiding them where they wanted to take it. So, um, so anyways, uh, story-wise, um, I guess uh, we uh, movie opens with um, with our lead character. Um, so, which is, again, it's kind of I guess why I liked it because uh, there's not a lot of horror movies where the the lead is a man. It's usually a woman. So, uh, starts with uh, Ryan and his wife and. Um, it's kind of like a date night for him. Uh, I don't know if he knew his wife was pregnant because I don't remember that part, but um, his wife's pregnant. I think she's planning on telling him and they get a mysterious package in the mail and it turns out to be a creepy ass dummy, uh, which does look very much like the Goosebumps dummy and also how they marketed the Goosebumps movie. So I uh, can't argue anything that Vinny said. Um, so anyways, uh, they're both from the same town. Um, a little small town called um, Ravens Fair and there's a legend there a local legend about um, Mary Shaw and a little fun nursery rhyme and um, it just reminded the wife of, of this and uh, as Ryan goes out to get uh, dinner for them uh, we find out that the the, the puppet kind of comes with the ghost of Mary Shaw and it kills the wife Leading Ryan to go back to the small town of Ravens Fair. Um, where Steals her tongue to... straight out of her mouth, by the way. Tears yeah. her jaw. Um, and I didn't say either. I, I'm, I'm ultra nerdy. I will tell you one of my favorite things of this whole movie is the opening. Because I'm, I'm weird like that. But they do the 1930s Universal logo. So like when they mm. uh, change shit like that. But uh, Anyways, uh, he goes back to the small town. He goes to visit his dad, who he's found out has had a stroke. 
and dad has a new wife, uh, also caretaker. And um, he uh, is waiting for his wife's body to um, come back to the town so they can, they can bury her. And um, that is where uh, we get Donnie Wahlberg, who is a detective, shows up uh, investigating because he thinks that uh, Ryan is involved in the murder. And, um, and he, I think he brings the puppet Billy uh, back with him. And uh, he starts experiencing um, stuff himself. And then uh, eventually we get into a whole backstory of Mary Shaw, who was a uh, ventriloquist and had a, uh, a cool ass like castle uh, place where everybody would come. And uh, some kid calls her out and says, says that he can <laughs> see her mouth moving, which I witnessed at a at Britney Spears concert. And I've still yet to see that kid. But um, <laughs> so anyways, the kid, uh, the kid becomes missing and they find him with uh, all of the hundreds of puppets that Mary Shaw has. And uh, they end up killing her and obviously making her eventual spirit. And um, and uh, it, it's kind of like, I think, a darker, cooler version of, um, of kind of like what Freddy's dead was going to be, because it's a small town. There's a myth. And there's not a lot of people left in this town because Mary's pretty much killed everybody. So uh, that's kind of kind of out where we're at without giving away the ending. Imagine being a smartass one time <laughs> <laughs> and your bloodline being owned for it. <laughs> oh, ladies' lips are moving. Oh, yeah? I'm going to kill everyone you love forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this reminds, movie. I was gonna say, Professor reminds me of when we used to always joke about that movie, The Ruins, with the, the, the Ivy off and it just hits that kid. Yeah, that kid's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that movie's about Ivy, Ivy's. I thought it was about diarrhea. Uh, yes, all the above. Uh, go ahead, uh, Vinny. I think this movie is at it going to be at a disadvantage because of what its uh, main villain is is that it's always i think it's unfairly but automatically always going to be viewed as a off-brand child's play just because you're dealing with a doll going around killing people it's kind of possessed i think it i think it's always going to infer that to a degree i just don't find hardly any of the subject matter to to be original in the least i feel like oh ventriloquist dummies are creepy we haven't seen that before. I don't know. Something about this doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me all the way around. Um, I didn't like the mummified boy puppet there towards the end. I thought that was dumb. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this movie absolutely just does not hit for me. If it would, here's the th- here's the thing. If it would have been more fun. It's not. It's not a fun movie at all. Yeah, no, it, its tone point. is. Its tone is very serious, and I think that if it were more playful, I probably would have liked it a lot better. And and you're presenting Donnie Wahlberg to me as a serious character that is the most uninspired, regurgitated. All that was missing was a flask in his desk drawer. You know what I mean? Like he was a stubble shaped trench coat just it's just seemed lame and I will say, he straight up was playing his character from like the soft that's franchise. what i was gonna say i feel like that was the same character except hammier 
I mean, like, sometimes I was like, is, are we going for laughs with him? Because, I mean, it was so... It was a caricature. Jay and over the top. Yes. um, An interesting thought I had while watching this is, I'm usually not a fan of this mentality. This movie needs remade. Um, Especially with their clout that they have now for complete control, because I think tonally it's a mess, but there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of things in it that could make for a really fun horror movie. And I don't disagree with what you guys are saying that, I mean, it almost feels like, like an episode of supernatural that goes too dark. So it's like, which one are we doing? Are we wanting to make something a little bit lighter and fun? Or are we wanting to actually scare the shit out of you and go dark with this? And so it dances back and forth between those two, which this isn't the only movie that suffers from that, but it's problematic. You need to make up your mind. And that typically is from a studio interfering. They think they know what's going to sell more. And so that's why you have even music that sounds like Saul with reveals uh, that we have later on. So, I mean, they're even, you can tell that they're forcing some of these elements on the movie. And that's a shame because I think, especially with the reveal, and I think that some of the scares along the way, you could make a cult classic out of this. But I th- I think that they either. had I think that they had all of the tools and materials at their disposal. They were all present, but there were no instructions. Is that, like I think the best way I can I can because like I say I I it looks great. The scenery's yeah. great. I mean all that it's it's put together very well. But I think that is. A, Saying it out loud, I think that is my problem. I think I, I think the tone uh, didn't fit for me for what I think what would have worked for me. I guess I, I will say uh, when you think about the, the especially the two working together, so like Insidious and Saul, this movie feels nothing like any of their other stuff. So it makes sense that there's interference to it. Um, I know that they had planned um, to at least have one other movie. Um, which they still keep kicking about now. But the silly thing is, though, of, of the like, I think Saul was attended as a straight to video movie, and it just got so much buzz that they took it to the theater and made a shit ton of money off that one movie. Because look how many they've made. There, there's that the the newest one has Chris Rock in it, and the pandemic probably delayed that till um, maybe later this year. Wait, but, uh, there's a new Saul coming out with Chris Rock in it. Yeah, Chris Rock like produced it. Uh, it's what is it? Spiral, something like that. It's a totally different name. I, um, I really hope that Chris Rock does his comedic voice as Jigsaw. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> He's like, "Would you like to play a game?" <laughs> you uh, had one job. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, Saul's going to be straight to video. This must have had a big ass budget because it made twenty million. Um, it looks was- like it had a nice big budget. Well, but I'm like, it, it, so it did 22 million, and it, that was not enough to make whatever they spent on this movie. Uh, so again, maybe they shouldn't have interfered because um, look at what Saul did. Um, even even if you don't like the sequels, there's still a shit ton of them, and they all made money. Um, so again, I like this movie. Can't argue with anything that was said. Um, let's get, let's, uh, may I may I say something nice about the movie? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Uh, I, I do like the, the the kind of effect of like right before something bad is about to go down, everything goes completely silent. Yes, I think that was that, that was a cool. Uh, that is one. I like I, I like shit like that in the theater because when you when you're watching it, 
when it first happens, you think that something's wrong with the movie. Um, cause we've ever been in the theater and the movies have screwed up. Um, so that's what you think's going on. Um, I don't know. I still really like it, but again, it's definitely, it, it probably was an original idea at some point, but, um, even, even Jigsaw's puppet is in this movie. If you catch it. Um, so Saul is using Are you a saying puppet. if we pay attention? Pretty much. <laughs> so Saul, Saul puppets. That's Bumps puppets. Um, so even the time period that this came out, there's a shit ton of puppets and dolls. Child's Play remake is coming out. Um, so again, I think that I think the whole thing with the ghost, there's some creepy stuff in it. The kills are very watered down unless you watch the unrated cut where she rips their tongues out. Um, so again, I think if the studio went inter- interfered, because I get, I definitely, I'm okay with remakes, not with something new, but. Um, Obviously, they had something else in mind if they had maybe a planned franchise and knowing the work that those two have done. So I probably would be open to um, it, it beats the option of uh, some straight to video movies. So you're saying you'd like to see a sequel? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> From this movie, I don't know how you can make a sequel unless you just had all new characters. But because. Let's get to the ending real quick, unless you had something you were going to no, say. No, please, hit us with the so, ending. So, uh, twist ending here. Uh, we find out that the uh, as as Donnie bites it. Uh, so, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but if when it gets silent, um, so if, if you scream or say anything, Mary's going to rip your tongue out. So, um, so you can't scream. And so, uh, they go, they find, there's a cool-ass room, which I want in my next house, where... The wallpaper, ma- like everything matches, but it's a whole other room. Um, so uh, it's right up there with my wallpaper scheme of uh, dressing up as the same wallpaper uh, as I go visit my friends in their rooms. But um, anyways. Uh, that was from uh, When a Stranger <laughs> Calls Part 2, right? And Adam's family. <laughs> so um, anyways, uh, uh, Ryan goes home to his father and... Um, we find out that uh, there's a talk of the perfect puppet that Mary was going to make. And we find out that the perfect puppet is actually uh, Ryan's new stepmom. And that she's actually making uh, basically she's possessed by Mary's spirit. And his dad is dead and is made into a puppet. And she has been using him as a dummy. Um, so and then uh, she ends up killing Ryan. And so everybody in this town, I believe, is dead at this point. And uh, and Mary wins. So um, another. I feel movie. sorry for all the people that thought they, they were watching a good movie and then they got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, now I'm gonna run the counterpoint here. I was I saw the end and I was like, "Well, I did not see that coming." <laughs> because it's absurd and oh my god, I quit. I'll be honest, the kid and me, I like the dad being the puppet. Uh, so stupid. Suck it, Vinny. <laughs> So well, yeah, no, but here's the thing: she even has him dressed as the puppet, bad. which is the best. <laughs> which, man, you re- I'm telling you, you remake this more seriously, that could be cool. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, this could also be some new material for Ned. This is awful. <laughs> that and that ending offended me. Oh boy. Uh, I do. You like didn't the, see it coming the... because you wouldn't see it coming because it's it's impossible. So what you're saying is when you did you have and you don't like that. I was I was buying possessed dolls, guys. Okay? That's real. That's real. That can happen. 
<laughs> when they got to the end where his dad it's not it's not even an android guys is he, it because the killer is a woman it's a photorealistic dump ventriloquist dummy so here's the thing you guys. were so displeased that you sat in dead silence correct oh. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Oof. Got him. Oof. Got Welcome him. to Noobsville. <laughs> Oof. Um, I guess they got I, me after I, all. I do like the segments where it does go completely quiet, though. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't realize that they were going to go directly with the name to applying it into the movie. Uh, but it was very William Castle-esque. Um, it reminds me there's an old Universal movie called Night Monster where they, they do that, and it's particularly effective. So... I had fun with that, um, but that's about it. All right. Well, uh, I can't. I can't, in good faith, recommend Dead Silence. No. Um, like there's far far worse things you could watch. Absolutely, far worse things you could watch. Yeah. But uh, you're not. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't tell you, man, you got to go out and watch Dead Silence. Yeah. If you're interested, check it out. But I'm not going to recommend it. I'd recommend it. And you did. <laughs> to us. Okay. Well, I, didn't, I didn't think about the ventriloquist in the room hating. Like, like now you're going to hate me for life. So I'm mar- <laughs> marking magic off my list now and the Goosebumps movies. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, rounding third, heading home. Last pick is mine, Todd. What is it? Well, I'm glad that you gave me the title. Skeleton Key. (laughs) 2005. (laughs) Starring Kate Hudson. Peter's at Skarsgård. You know you fucked me up. (laughs) Close this book on him. I already can't read. For those of you listening at home, (laughs) I set this book on him. (laughs) (laughs) Peter Skarsgård. Uh, Joy Bryant, John Hurt, Gina Rollins, and uh, Ronald McCall as Papa Justify, and Gerald Prescott as Mama Cecile. Uh, directed by Ian Softley and written by Aaron Kruger. Daughter of Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, yeah. He... I quit. <laughs> you, did you just assume his gender? Uh, you did, but... <laughs> Uh, you don't know the name Aaron Kruger? The Ring movies and all kinds of cool Scream 3 and... Not familiar. You must not watch horror movies. You, you said cool and then you said Scream 3. You <laughs> we'll say we're... Cha- no. Don't even get me arguing with that yet. <laughs> we're several weeks away, bitch. <laughs> okay. Skeleton Key. Uh, I picked this. Because I really liked it. It took me by surprise. I am a mark for voodoo movies. Surprise, surprise. And That's how I knew that you were going <laughs> to... I knew this hit for you for that reason. Religion horror. And it was Southern. <laughs> yep. And it was made after the year 2000. Taking the say it's, uh, it's not found footage, Robert's though. viewing, it's got the key. <laughs> All it was missing was Sasquatch. <laughs> And and 110 minutes in, if you look in the background, he's not there. <laughs> they got to be near the Honey Island Swamp. They're in New Orleans. That's where the Honey Island Swamp monster is. And the Minotaurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I yeah I picked this just because I mean this is something that like would sit on a shelf that does not look like something I would pick up right but I'm like okay voodoo I'll give it a shot back when it came out and back when it came out not a whole lot to choose from right so just so I was like all right whatever I'll watch it and was pleasantly surprised and I this is probably my I don't know fifth or sixth time watching it. Uh, yeah, I remember watching this when it came out. This is probably my third viewing. Um, it uh, it really taps into some stuff that we don't have a lot of uh, for the horror genre. So, first time viewing. That'll we get until we get into the body of the movie. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, I, I I think I wanted to see this. Maybe not. I don't know. I. I <laughs> But like a hit video, and um, I like I like Kate Hudson. Uh, I was like, sure, whatever. And actually, uh, it kind of blew me away. So hadn't seen. Um, there's not a there's not a lot of movies in the 2000s and and now that uh, remind me of uh, a lot of the awesome thrillers from the early 90s. And uh, I would say that this one falls in right in line with that. Plus, it's a unique film because it uh it deals with uh, with slaves and racism. Um, and uh, voodoo and subjects that not a lot of horror films or films in general really tackle. So, originally um, titled "How to Lose a Caretaker in Ten Days." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know Kate Hudson's a great actress, but I'm I'm a big fan of not just Peter Sarsgaard, but the whole Sarsgaard family. I like all of them uh, in their acting endeavors. So, uh, yeah, bonus points and, if you know any of the other Sarsgaards. Gina Rollins and John Hurt are indie royalty. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are in the New Orleans area. And uh, Kay Hudson's character is uh, a hospice nurse who just gets kind of tired of seeing how, you know, these folks are being treated in their last dying days. That's not a criticism against hospice. I work with hospice on a regular basis. Hospice is great. It's about how the families just have just kind of they push their relatives off and, and forget about them and don't care about them um and she finds a uh a help wanted sort of thing which is going to be out in the swamps uh, for a live-in uh caregiver and uh um she goes out to check it out once she gets there she finds peter sarsgaard is the lawyer for the family and there's the uh cranky wife and the invalid husband is invalid okay can we say that still yeah i think so uh invalid husband and um you know it's just kind of it's got that great swamp vibe you know just kind of ooky spooky just old you know french cajun creole southern sort of style and uh, there's no uh, there's no mirrors in the house, and there's this mysterious room, and it doesn't seem that weird. And I mean, it seems kind of weird, but it doesn't seem that weird until Ben, the invalid husband, played by John Hurt, uh, disappears, and she finds him, and he's crawling on the roof, <laughs> trying to escape his bedroom. And it's like, oh, she's, you know, his wife is like, oh, you didn't give him his uh, remedies. That's what she calls his medicine. Didn't give him his remedies. And he's, he's, he's having a, a spell. And this dude crawls and like falls off the roof. And when she runs upstairs to the bedroom to find his remedies, she sees that he has broken a pot, got the soil and wrote, help me 
in the sheet. And so she hides that to investigate. That wasn't later. poop. It was not poop. <laughs> well, that changes the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of that's that's where things start. Anybody want to make any comment at this point? How did you feel about this up to this point in the movie? Well, it's a nice setup. Um, I'm always a fan of Southern Gothic in any capacity, and this is relatively restrained. Um, it doesn't rely on on cheap sales so uh, i mean just as a movie fan the cast alone i is is worth tuning in for for me it's fun to watch gina rollins especially in this role it's nice to draw you in with a movie because as they're drawing you in it just feels like any other drama it doesn't feel like a horror movie leading in you don't fall into a lot of tropes and things like that it feels like a legitimate drama i uh I think Gina Rollins cast in this movie is, is perfect because it uh it kind of uh, throws you off. Um, I I was gonna look up the trailer because uh, I don't remember, but a lot of movies like this uh is it's it's even marketed that uh you'll never guess the ending or, or whatever. Which when you tell me that now I'm, the whole movie, I You're think it's to like, guess what, the the, ending. what the hell? Yeah, I sit here and try. Um. I think it's very moody, and I'll tell you something that uh, mind blowing that I just learned maybe within the last year or so is that the whole swamp stuff is all CGI. Um, because we bitch about CGI so much, I uh, looked real to me. So apparently, there's just fields behind the house. None of that is real. Um, very good job. So CGI can wow. work in films. Um, it still looks real to me, David. <laughs> uh, and uh, Kate Hudson. Uh, I think just the acting alone, um, obviously John Hurt's from Alien and uh, um, I'm trying to think if Kate Hudson's done another horror film. They didn't really market this as a horror film, which I thought was smart too. Um, John so Hurt was it, in the original Hellboy movie as well. <laughs> so uh, it, I don't know. It just, just uh, it's, it is, it's, it feels more like a drama to this point. Um, and, uh, and even like a, have we mentioned voodoo at all at this point? No. Or? Okay, so. Okay. Some weirdness. So, we, uh, so, the cranky wife has this picture of the original owners of the house, right? Because she's talking about how they're, it's a southern thing, and Kate Hudson would understand because she's from Jersey, and so it's like, uh, their, uh, their spirits still live in the house and she honors them. And so like she picks up the picture, it's these kids and they're like, oh yeah, they grew up, da, 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 da. But this picture pops out and it's the kids with two servants. And so we find out that those servants were uh, people known in the, not voodoo world, but hoodoo, because hoodoo is Do like what? A, <laughs> hoodoo is like a secularized <laughs> voodoo. So it's like, the magic of voodoo, but without the religion. Does this make you want to shoot, shoot, shoot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know how you do the voodoo that you do so well. Um, so uh, it's interesting. I, I briefly looked into hoodoo, and I don't think they explained it well enough in the film, but that's another story for another day. Because <laughs> you know, I like Well, you do religion. you. You know I like my religious studies. Um, so hoodoo is supposed to be voodoo, but without the religion. And so they were known, the, the servants were known as Papa Justify... 
and Mama Cecile, and they were known as like the some of the most powerful practitioners in the the parish, the area. In present day, they sound like somebody who would try and get you to buy their mix CD in a parking lot. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, and they actually had mixtapes on their little records, and so you got records of rituals by Papa Justify and Mama Cecile. Is a uh, he's not a rapper, and she doesn't work for Popeyes. <laughs> Oh, is that not the lady in the commercials? <laughs> so you're going to get us canceled. Um, I swear that's her name. <laughs> Louisiana fast. Um, so we learned their backstory. And oh. so really, the original. <laughs> All right, get it together. Go, we're going to get together on three. All right. Mm. Um, so the, these bankers owned this house originally, and they had these servants, which were justifying Cecile. And uh, they were having a party one night, and uh, some of the party guests who were a little lit were going to leave, but they wouldn't say bye to the kids. And they go to look for the kids, they can't find the kids. And so it turns into this game of drunk, rich old white people looking for kids, thinking they're playing hide-and-go-seek. And then when they find them, they find them in this room doing a ritual with Justify and Cecile. And they're like, oh, they, they was trying to teach the kids how to do hoodoo. And so what they do... Then it seems a little extreme. They decide to go ahead and just hang Papa Justify and Mama Cecile from a tree out front. And, yeah, but and this was the South decades ago, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Their the definition age. of extreme is a little different. And so they're, uh, you know, spitting liquor on them and setting them on fire. So they're hung, set on fire. And while the kids are watching. Keep that in mind. Well, the kids also keep telling the adults that they wanted to learn about it, that it was their idea. Yeah. Yeah. That it was okay. Right. So that's, we learned that background. So then um, Kate Hudson decides she's going to get a mirror out and show Ben. And she shows Ben and Ben freaks out. And, uh, uh, my notes are a little unclear here. Uh, okay, so <laughs> she um, things start getting hairy around the house, and the uh, the wife does not like that the uh, that Kate Hudson is poking and prodding and digging around, and so she she really she tries to do this ritual with Ben, and like because she wants to like free Ben. They say that someone's working roots. That's this voodoo hoodoo term. It's where working roots. And so Ben's spirit is actually under some sort of control. And that's why he's invalid. And that's why he wrote help me. And so Kate Hudson tries this ritual to set him free. And the wife finds out and freaks out. And then she escapes. But then Peter Sarsgaard, the lawyer, abducts her and takes her back to the house. I think you left out too an important part, which is with hoodoo and voodoo, you have to believe it for it to work. That's good. And so Kate Hudson thinks she doesn't believe it, but she thinks that John Hurt's character believes it so much that he is uh, psychologically in this like a uh, catatonic state. So she is trying to, uh, to kind of break him of that. So. Yes. So, uh, any any thoughts before I just round out the whole ending here? So I just go into it. I, I will say, without going into the ending, that there is so many things that it said through this whole movie of like, uh, 
Like when she meets Kate Hudson, she does not like her and she doesn't have an accent and she's not from this area. And uh, there's just a lot, a lot of lines that are like, you know, just playful almost. We're going to get to that. So, so the big ending is that actually uh, is that they, they've duped Kate Hudson this whole time. The, the, they weren't working roots on John. They were working roots on her. And so, uh, she keeps saying, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. And boom, the big reveal, the twist is that this ritual, along with what we saw in the flashback, is that um, the hoodoo ritual is transferring souls into bodies and transferring vice versa. And so Peter Sarsgaard's character is actually the old man, John Hurt's character, Ben. It's it, His soul is now in Sarsgaard's body because it's a younger body and they put Sarsgaard as the lawyer, put his soul into Ben's body. And so that's why Ben keeps freaking out because he's this young guy trapped in this old dude's body and he don't know how. And, so, and he's a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> <laughs> the old lady's hand was up his butt the whole time. <laughs> and, and so that's why, as Toddy was explaining, the old lady was so critical and mean to the young lady because she didn't like her. She didn't want to be her. And, uh, and so they transferred souls. And I think what's best about that is the holy shit moments when you go back and find all the cute throwaway lines, like the second time you watch it. Like, you know, there's the part where Peter Sarsgaard says, oh, you know, Mrs. Devereaux, you know you're the only woman for me. And she's like, I know no such thing. You know, like they're flirting with each other. But really, really to me, the big holy shit moment is when you go back to that flashback and you realize that Papa Justify and Mama Cecile are now in the children's bodies and that the bodies they are hanging and setting on fire are actually their children, their souls yeah. trapped in those bodies. And it's like, oh, oh, that is grotesque. I do not like that. No. So uh, thoughts on, on, on you know, as I rambled out of control here. I no, I, I thought it was fun for starters to get to listen to you. It's not, it's like when I explain a Fulci movie, so it's fun to be on the <laughs> other end of that. But you did a good job. It's uh, There's a lot of twists and turns on that to try to explain. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film is when Kate Hudson tries out with the powder as a barrier. I, I, I love watching Gina Rollins just chew it up, where she's standing in the doorway, and she's like, no, come in here and look at the leak. I need you to look at it. And just the back and forth um, is a is a perfect example of the talent that you have in this movie in terms of the performers who are just, I think they're having a good time with it. Um, and like I echoed earlier, there isn't a lot of, of movies that cover territory like this uh, with hoodoo, voodoo, the South and, and, and all that. So for that alone, I'm glad it exists. I don't think it is a particularly scary movie. I, and I, I think it's important to point out that for a lot of listeners who are diehards might find this a little bit more vanilla, but that doesn't take away from its merit. I think that the storytelling is interesting. Uh, the setting is moody and the cast is good. Um, that's just kind of my overall thoughts on it. I enjoyed it when it came out. I still do. It's not something I love, um, but it's an enjoyable movie. I had to check myself a little bit on it. And sometimes I have to do this with movies. I have to put myself in a position of when was this released? And what was around at the same time. And this, there is not much from that era 
that is available that that's in the genre. And so for that, I give it a lot of credit for being something new put out during that time. Uh, I like the movie. I like the movie. Uh, very, very well acted. Uh, the cast lends itself to where when you go into the movie, sometimes there's a stigma to horror. And I don't think that that cast makes you think that as you're going into it. So I think this uh, appeals to a broader audience. My biggest gripe with this movie is, is I feel like it was a waste of John Hurt. You've got amazing ass actor John Hurt, and he plays an invalid laying in a bed through the whole fucking movie. <laughs> that I thought was criminal, but they made up for it by having uh, "If I Can Dream" by Elvis in the closing credits. <laughs> That's my favorite Elvis song. So they, they, I forgave them for their waste of John Hurt. Yeah, I think Gina Rollins and John Hurt alone signing on to this, that's all you need to do to sell the script. I mean, that alone, that's all you need to know. You know that yeah. you're at least dealing with decent writing if those two are on board. So uh, kind of, uh, I didn't want to go further, but I think having uh, Gina Rollins play this part was perfect because uh, I, I think having her in the role, it, it, I never suspected what the twist was. I didn't even suspect that there was going to be a twist other than at some point I was like, man, are those two fucking like, is that the, is that the twist? Is she's trying to get rid of her husband? And um, I think that's because the voodoo was played well enough yeah. and you didn't get overtly supernatural that it stayed grounded in reality mm -hmm. and this drama movie. So when that's revealed at the end, you're like, well, Oh, Oh yeah, shit. It never reaches. Yeah. Like I, most movies did from that era. They they also don't they they also anticipate that the audience isn't stupid, so even like uh, the reveal that Kate Hudson is actually uh, Mama Cecile is that she picks up the cigarettes that that you know Gina Rowland smoked the whole movie, um, yeah. and so just uh just a lot of subtlety and then uh and then also too like they don't throw the voodoo in it's it's almost underplayed but at the same time is what she's trying to do is introduce her to uh, because she has to believe. And she's waiting for her to believe the whole movie so they can transfer her body. Um, so where you think that she's doing all this investigating and, and uncovering it, it's actually them just like, yeah, so it's, it's hoodoo and go to the shop and get the shit. And because uh, the moment she actually believes is when they're able to do it. So um, I agree. It's not a, if, I think if, if someone told you this is the scariest movie of the 2000s, you're going to probably be pissed. But um, I think it's an excellent thriller. It's a really good movie. Um, and uh, there are a lot of creepiness, I think, too, especially like uh, Abner said, when you realize like like just the, the fact that when they it was bad enough that they're 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 killing, um, hanging the, the servants from the tree. But then when you realize that the children are them watching the children and the bodies die, some some heavier stuff. And again, another bleak ending. So I guess that was our our theme for uh, this, this mash. So. The bleak ending mash. Yeah, and I, I do want to clarify real quick that there's still enough in this that I would call it a horror film. I don't want to be one of those guys on a sure. podcast that shortchanges yeah. everything unless it's like the most insane gore. It's still got plenty of horror elements, and I would recommend it to pretty much anybody who's interested. But um, I can't stress enough, it's so much fun watching Gina Rollins in this movie. <laughs> like, if, if you've watched John Cassavetti films... She was always with him. She helped pioneer independent cinema with him. You go back and look at some of these movies like Love Streamed, and now you see her just 
having so much fun with this. It's a blast. Yeah, she kills it. I mean, there's like she sells the role as just the cranky old wife. You know, everything's got to be particular and proper. And yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Definitely. Also, too, uh, I, I like the how they tie in is the um, I always associated that stupid song from Rain Man, but the uh, the uh, the I can't even think of the name of it, but the is Ika Ika whatever. You got to oh, more clues. Yeah. I'm not singing it. I go, I go on day. There you go. Yeah. That, <laughs> that country song that they covered several years before in this movie. Uh, <laughs> so I'm doing uh, Professor, I like that you're the Todd Whisperer. <laughs> he can utter two <laughs> syllables <laughs> and you can translate. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, long car rides. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. I, I would recommend this film to people. Yeah. 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 I would too. Uh, if you're, especially if you're a fan of the voodoo subgenre, um, this is, this is up there. So, yeah. And also if you're a fan of Popeyes, this goes really well with it. I'm thinking we are getting canceled. <laughs> I am thinking about, this is going to be one of my next dinner in a movie. So mm. <laughs> a little Cajun mashed potatoes, a little mm. pair of Popeyes and okay very good well uh thanks for hanging with us folks can, can i bring up one thing while i'm thinking of it because i mentioned to you <laughs> that there's a skeleton key two and three. Oh god yeah. that came out when i worked at hastings i looked that shit up because i was like how did that happen i just want to clarify that if if uh because i've been avoiding them there's actually a movie that came out two years later called the skeleton key that even uh the the best reviews say skip this movie it's horrible so it might be my ne- next pick but there's uh, apparently three movies to that. No sequels have been made to this movie. So mm. I just want to throw that out there because I kept mentioning that there's they, they brought straight to video. And I think that's why they did it is they we never had the skeleton key that, the, that the, they went to. We just had the two and three of uh, I say everybody just assumed it was to this movie. Oh, so the skeleton keys that you keep bringing up. Are not the they are not this. yeah they have nothing to do with this movie okay if you thanks. pay attention the one they made two years later is a prequel these are the sequels to that boom well there, there is two integral movies like father like son and vice versa so if you want to check <laughs> those out it's the middle years now i thought freaky friday was a sequel <laughs> to this one no freaky friday they just do each other <laughs> well we're running off the rails here folks uh speaking of Lindsay Lohan, good to be with you uh but with monsters, <laughs> Monster Mash, uh, I'm freezing up here. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Denny, Hot Toddy. Are you stroking or voodoo curse? <laughs> we hear you, Lord. I th- I'm telling you, those recordings of Papa Justify scare the shit out of me. I could just listen to those and be scared. That one, B.I.G. Yes, oh Lord. Okay, stay scary, friends. Get out of here. <laughs>